this is Hillary Crowley and welcome back to the Good Energy Healing Show. I'm excited to talk about wolves today, um, my power animals, if I'm honest with you. Um, I love wolves. I never want to meet a wolf in the wild. I'll respect the wolves, but today we're going to be talking about wolves. I did meet some wolves um, down the road in a town called Ipswich, Massachusetts, which is north of Boston. They have the beautiful... Um, facility um in a, in a big field uh, it's kind of horse country back down there but there's a one field that is dedicated to wolves and it's called wolf hollow in ipswich um and i found myself in wolf hollow on a school field trip for a bunch of um first graders and i learned more in that field trip than i think the kids did i absolutely loved it down there, and I learned uh, besides the fact that wow, there is nothing like looking in the eyes of a wolf. The this this these wolves had bright yellow eyes, uh, nothing like I've ever seen on another canine, um, and they were beautiful um, and wild. And I was a little bit in awe of uh, being able to get so close to them. And this podcast is about um, the four feeding tips for the good wolf within you. So I wanted to tell you uh, how I think wolves are teachers. And in fact, this would make sense because if you look in a any power animal deck where they, it's basically a dictionary for um the power animals. Jamie Sands has one. Many, many other people have done power animal decks. And the um, wolf is always considered the teacher. So um, that's the animal, the wolf. The power animal would be, would be considered wolf, just wolf energy. So all respect to the wolves today. Uh, at Wolf Hollow on this little field trip I went on, we were learning about how wolves have family structures, healthy family structures um, devised to uh, protect the species, to allow the pack to thrive, to allow peace and harmony and sustenance in the pack. And that's how they all work together. So every single wolf has its role. And then there's also leadership in the alpha and the beta wolf. And then inside that, I also thought it was really interesting, um, the mothers who had gone down, or the parents, I should say, who went down on this field trip to chaperone, I noticed we all leaned in because one of the lessons at Wolf Hollow is they talk about the 13 signals that the mama wolf gives to the pups in order to keep them in line and to train them to be um, safe and strong and uh, harmonious. So there are 13. Uh, it starts with the look. And imagine the look from the yellow wolf eye. Wow. If I was a wolf pup, that's all I would need. <laughs> and then it ends with a banishment from the pack, which is actually a balancing of the habitat because the wolf pup, pup is strong enough uh, to fight back and is not willing to submit to that particular pack's uh, hierarchy, maybe outgrowing uh, the, the 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 beta and the alpha wolf. So it's it's banished to go start its own pack, 
And as heartbreaking as that is, um, it also, they explained to us at Wolf Hollow there, that actually means that if you're strong and you're independent, then you're ready to start your own pack. And um, so a little bit of fighting back or rebelling actually signals the mama wolf to say, go find your own territory. And they go from there. Really interesting. And then one last thing about the Wolf Hollow lesson is that um, it turns out that they've been able to study that the wolves um, have um, their litters are in direct proportion to the viability of the environment in the habitat around them. So when there's been harsh times, a harsh year, the, the litter will be very small and in abundant years, the litters will be really big, which I, you know, as I wrote this down and I, and I'm talking about it now, it seems really logical, but at the same time, I'm still wondering how the uterus of the wolf, uh, is being signaled to have smaller litters. Um, it's not the matter of the litters not being able to survive inside the wolf, but it's the wolf knowing that the litter can't survive after birth or would put a strain on the pack. So um, that's when all of the parents really leaned in and we had a lot of questions and some of them weren't, um, were a little too uh, high level for first graders. So I think a lot of us left with a lot of questions, but anyway, tribute to the wolves today and to the power of wolf energy. I call in the great teacher wolf as we uh, set off to talk about, family systems in the name of the wolf. So um, I wanted to talk about the functionality of families. It's been coming up in a lot of my clients lately. So whether it's in my file cabinet, at the front of my file cabinet, and I just um, keep having it on my mind when I'm doing the energy uh, work on others, whether um, there's some kind of symbiotic alignment with something I have to learn and my clients are all my teachers. I know anybody, anybody who works in the healing arts, I would even include uh, doctors and nurses, psychotherapists, acupuncturists, everybody at one point or another has mentioned to me that it's frequent that you have a pattern of the same um, ailment coming in and it's teaching you. In fact, maybe in the allopathic world, the traditional Western medicine world, not only do doctors notice that, but they actually uh, uh, sort of turn their specialty in a certain direction because they they notice they're attracting a certain kind of ailment and they get better and better at healing at it. And this is where everybody is teaching everybody and we're all becoming better healers out there. So a pattern for me has been uh, noticing how we get stuck in family roles long past the time that we've moved out from our family. And back in the mid nineties, I was introduced to a concept of um, what makes a family functional and dysfunctional. And in the dysfunctional family setting, there are four cornerstones that you can rely on and you can identify. And that's where, you know, that it's time to leave the house of dysfunction. So if your house of dysfunction is built on denial, silence, isolation, and rigidity, denial, silence, isolation, and rigidity, those are the four cornerstones of dysfunction. It's time to leave your castle. And um, 
And it's easier said than done, especially because of denial, which we were going to get into. But that's where education and sharing comes in and also self-awareness comes in. Because once you've opened up to denial, then you can say, oh, I just noticed where I'm living and I feel isolated. I don't want to be silenced anymore. And I don't and I want to embrace change. So all four of those are an opportunity to grow, grow as soon as you are able to, to look at them more carefully. So in preparing for this podcast, I really wanted to find the resource that I had originally landed on. It was a book that I thought was by a gentleman named Ackerman, and I'm going to just credit Dr. Ackerman anyway. But in this big worldwide web Google search, I could not find the book, and I don't have it in my possession anymore. But what I did find was a beautiful website that uh really articulates and I'm going to I'm going to um plug her for a moment and hopefully maybe even get her on this podcast for an interview someday. Amy Eden uh wrote a book called The Kind Self-Healing Book, The Kind Self-Healing Book, and her website is guesswhatnormalis.com and she also breaks down those four um cornerstones, the denial, the rigidity, the isolation and the silence. And Then if you actually put that into a a web search, you'll actually find psychotherapy um, institutions all over the map blogging about this four cornerstones. So I want to give original credit where credit is due. I, um, I want to say Ackerman. I have said Ackerman in the past, but when I had to back it up like a, you know, good footnoter, I could not uh, find it. So here we go. Moving forward. Um, So if any of us are feeling stuck in our own healing, and by that it could be a physical ailment, it could be a emotional ailment, a relationship stuckness, we want to look and see what house we're living in that's making us feel sick or stuck or both. And then what is really, really helpful is to find our way out. And I do believe that the best way to find our way out of this is to tackle the possibility that we might be in denial. So that's going to require an immense amount of reflection, digging, and what I'm going to call self-awareness. Now, I work in a building uh, filled with psychotherapists. And um, I haven't heard it so much, but it was kind of like if I went into the kitchen or if I was in a meeting and they were over, ta- over you know, speaking to each other, just chatting casually, where somebody might, you know, say, oh, I met that person. She's wonderful. I met that person. He's struggling. I met that person. Um, nice, nice hair that day, you know, whatever commentary the, in the world of the psychotherapist, I just observed that they would say, Oh yeah, really, really great self-awareness. They're really high self-worth. Yeah, another person. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta work on their self-awareness. I've noticed. So self-awareness was like the, the way in, in which, um, we kind of can, measure or grade somebody's um, being without too much judgment, just sort of saying how how we can help somebody along. Low, low self-awareness, high self-awareness. So obviously we want to strive towards high self-awareness. And so as I 
as I plug forward on this piece about the high self-awareness, I want to kind of go to the um, meat and bones of um, this podcast, which is this deep understanding with my clients about their right and their ability to move forward and to heal. They're right in their ability to move forward and to heal and the confidence that they need to take that leap forward into their own life. Oftentimes I see it with work issues, relationship issues, uh, standing up for yourself. Um, As a mother, I see it with my children about speaking up for yourself, uh, taking that extra time for yourself to discern what a good and a bad decision is. And I call that that piece self-confidence, just a, an inner confidence that you carry with you. And I thought about how as we're unpacking our decision-making process, if we make the wrong decisions, that's going to lead to a kind of a, a exploitation of a lower self-awareness. And if you make the right decisions, it's going to reflect a higher self-awareness. And depending on the decision you make is how enriched your life is. And no matter how, at the, and depending on how enriched your life is, so it does matter how enriched your life is, that's how confident you're going to feel on that day. And then there's a cumulating effect because if you make good decisions, then you make good decisions the next day and the next day. And the confidence seeps deeper and deeper and deeper into our bones. How is this all connected? Well, I'm going to bring you back to the wolves. So I find that self-awareness is a crucial part of finding our way into a healthy life. Because I... We'll, I'll say it again, there's a culminating effect to making good decisions, right? Um, there's a culminating effect to finding your way out of the house of dysfunction. Because if you make a bad decision, let's just call it bad. Let's not overanalyze it. Just a bad decision. You might find yourself isolated. And if you find yourself isolated, you might find yourself um, uh, not having like a warm, fuzzy sense of confidence. So you won't have that as a springboard to make changes. So then you'll be rigid. And then if you feel the rigidity, you're going to actually of, of, of your life. And then you're also going to feel the silence of the isolation and the no change and the denial. And there we are. We just built another house. We're like the three little pigs going down the street, building the different houses. Um, and none of them are working until you get to the house that's built on something other than isolation, rigidity, silence, and denial. Okay. Did I just say three little pigs? Cause I think I just made another wolf analogy and I didn't mean to, cause I actually think wolves are wonderful. And in that particular one, the wolf is the big bad wolf. But what if the big bad wolf is the wolf of our own self-awareness and it's just blowing over the dysfunctional houses on the path as we seek refuge. So When the big bad wolf comes in and it cannot blow the house down, it's because those cornerstones are made of strength, of things that fortify us 
and that are healthy. So the brick house of the three little pigs is the healthy house. Let's go over what we think maybe the cornerstones are. I would say the cornerstones are for denial, it's self-awareness. So we've replaced the cornerstone of denial with self-awareness. For isolation, we've replaced the cornerstone of isolation for belonging. Brene Brown, shout out to you. Brene Brown talks about how it turns out one of the most important elements of the human being is belonging. By the way, same for the wolves. Belonging, community, communing, connecting, belonging. That's a cornerstone for a healthy house. Whether that house is our body, our soul, our family, our home, our business. Okay? Next, where are we? Rigidity. So a willingness to change. And I think about the serenity prayer, which is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I know I've talked about that in another podcast, but boy, oh boy, that prayer alone can break up the rigidity. That's a prayer all about the courage to change. And so change is the opposite of rigidity. And so that brings us to, we have the silence which is the opposite of silence is what? I'm going to give you a moment of silence to think of what it could be because I struggled with it. What's really the opposite of silence? It's not like screaming and yelling. Silence, screaming, no. Okay, I'm back. The opposite of silence is sharing and caring. Sharing, just sharing. Sharing, caring. That's the opposite of silence. So now you have a strong house with... Belonging, change, courage, courage to change, flexibility, a willingness, and sharing and caring. So there we have, um, there we have it all. So we've got the self-awareness, the belonging, the willingness to change, the flexibility, the sharing, and the caring. I want to belong to that. I want to belong to that family. That seems like a really good family to belong to. Um, so there, there, there we have it. And um, the bad wolf cannot blow that house down. So speaking of the bad wolf, I want to talk about the good wolf. And I want to talk about um, the story of the two wolves within, which is a Cherokee legend, a teaching story, um, which is classic um I actually have a poster of it and it's over my son's bed and I actually ordered another one for my other son's bed and I'm going to have different artwork, but I love it. And uh, especially as uh, raising young men and as we look at the wolf within. So let's just indulge in the story itself. If you've heard it, you're not going to mind hearing it again. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. Okay. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. Quote, a fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. And he continued, it is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is angry, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, and superiority. 
And then the grandfather continued. The other is good. He is joy. He is peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. I know I did a podcast about the difference between empathy and compassion, but in this case, I want you to think of empathy as the opposite of envy or greed or arrogance, where you allow yourself to care and connect with other people. The same fight is going on inside of you, he tells his grandson. It's going on inside of you and inside of every other person too. And the grandson thought for a moment, and then he asked his grandfather, well, if there's two, if there are two wolves within us, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee grandfather simply replies, the one you feed, the one you feed. So as we move towards self-awareness and we break out of our uh, corner of denial and we go towards self-awareness, We have to take a look and see which wolf we've been feeding. Has it been anger, envy, sorrow, regret? Let's jump over to guilt. Guilt's a tricky one because you need some guilt. Because if you did something wrong, you shouldn't feel good about yourself. You should feel, I want to correct that. You feel a little bit of discomfort. Um, and a deeper story I'll get into another time, but I work with uh, children who have been uh, traumatized and neglected, and they haven't been getting external feedback from good parent roles or parents at all, no parents. And some of the feedback when you've done something that doesn't um, work with society and isn't going to Um, keep you in the pack, so to speak, keep you thriving in the pack and won't help you survive and thrive, Um, you need that mama wolf or papa wolf to say, "Mm, bad decision, you shouldn't feel good about that. But if you've been neglected, nobody's been there to tell you it's a bad decision. So here's where the self-awareness needs to get even brighter and stronger. You have to notice in your internal guidance system if you don't feel good on the inside, if you feel bad on the inside. And guilt is a very uncomfortable feeling, but we can shift that as well. So going back over the list in this legend is regret. Regret doesn't seem like the worst, but regret holds us back. Guilt holds us back. Self-pity holds us back. Resentment, inferiority, lying. That's a big deal. Everybody tries out lying. In early childhood development, when a child lies, that's an indicator to a parent that the child's brain is developing nicely because they can understand kind of consequences and uh, maneuvering their reality. They can say, ah, if I say I didn't do this, then I notice that my consequence is different. But that's something you want to travel through quickly as a toddler and not think it's uh, the way of the world, although... mm, Many, many people are still in the toddler mindset thinking they'd rather uh, not get in trouble now and lie about it, but get in big, big trouble later. And in the world of holistic medicine, you can get in trouble lying Uh, and you can get in trouble right down to your cell system because if you're not living in alignment and you're lying and you're creating false truths around you, 
your body is going to be in stress and distress and disease. Okay, so the other wolf that we want to feed is the joyful wolf, the wolf for peace, love, hope, serenity, kindness, humility, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. Really, really letting yourself drop into the courage of being the good wolf. And through all of that, that gives us the self-confidence to start packing up and moving out with the rest of the work that we need to do. And so as I think about ways that we can feed the good wolf, the first thing to do is to think of the opposite of the cornerstones we've been living in. So go out of your way and do something that makes somebody else feel like they're belonging. It can be a smile. It can be um, a kindness to a stranger. It can be um, letting something pass when you could have made a, 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 a fuss about it. Um, allowing for others to join the um, community that you already belong to or creating a place of belonging for a friend who may be going through a hard day and you might not have that extra minute to listen with your heart, but take a minute and let them feel like you're all part of a bigger community and that we have each other's back here in this world and that we belong to, you know, the tribe. Um, for caring and sharing, that's a matter of slowing down and really listening. In terms of the chakras, um, the, the wheels of energy light, that is the foundation of some energy medicine, um, some of the aspects of energy medicine, we often talk about the fifth chakra as the communications chakra. But what we leave out, what we really leave out, is that um, communication isn't just about what I'm doing right now, which is talking. It also has to do with writing, dictating, putting things down on paper. And it goes all the way up to our ears, so it has to do with listening. Or if you are deaf, it has to do with you know, receiving information, however we want to perceive receiving as well as giving out communication. So um, I want to um, honor all of this as we look at the four um, ways to which we can feed the good wolf within us. So where was I? We have the listening, the receiving, the caring, and the sharing which is replacing the cornerstone of silence. Then we have the flexibility and the willingness to change, the serenity, the courage, the flexibility, and the willingness to change. And that's replacing the cornerstone of rigidity. We have the belonging that I spoke to, and all of this comes back to the self-awareness. And the self-awareness is asking yourself, Am I feeding the good wolf today? And there we have the sustainable pattern of the four feeding tips for the good wolf. Yes, you are. And allow yourself to feel, um, well, I would say empowered to look at the wolf within all the time because one of the my favorite pieces of this is that 
in the story is that we all have the good wolf inside of us and we all have the bad wolf inside of us or the evil wolf inside of us. Have compassion for yourself and have compassion for others. And then also know that you have a choice and you always have choices. And um, ask yourself if you want to um, be part of the pack and if you feel the need to run and start your own pack, wouldn't you want to have a pack of good wolves as well? So the wolves are our teachers today. And the four tips for feeding the good wolf is embracing belonging, embracing caring and sharing, embracing flexibility, a willingness to change, and getting that serenity prayer down because it's not just for the AA people, people because the AA people working the program are awesome. We're all working the program out here. We're all working our thought addictions. And um, really, as you do that, you will feel a deeper sense of belonging to the higher spirit, to the community spirit, to your own spirit. And um, you will find that you are banishing and um, saying goodbye to the house of denial, isolation, rigidity, and silence and waking up in self-awareness, belonging, flexibility, and sharing and caring. I'm sharing and caring for you today. I hope you had a beautiful uh, time listening here, and I will catch you the next time. We are on iTunes, so if you like this podcast, please um, rate it and um, subscribe, and I look forward to the next time we get to connect. I hope you have a wonderful day and thanks for listening to the good energy healing show